Hi, I'm Laura Milan, and I have the privilege of being a deaconess here at Wellspring Church. And deaconess, before you get crazy, just means servant. So that's pretty, that's pretty safe <laughs> for me and for everybody else. Um, I got saved in 1985, so I've been a Christian for 35 years. I was 27 when I got saved, so it really was a long journey to meet Jesus. And then it's been a growing relationship since then. And um, Pastor Jason asked me to pick a life verse. So I'm going to read it because my memory is pretty bad. It's from Romans 8, 38 through 39. It says, For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the, pres neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height or depth, or anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And I think... You know, for all seasons of, of my walk, there have been critical verses that have shaped me, informed me, um, calmed me, um, centered me. But this, these two verses have been a perennial that I have clung on to my whole life. And Paul, right out of the gate, says, I am convinced. And when I was a new believer, I couldn't say that with certainty. I could, in theory, say it because I knew now I was a new creation in Christ. But I think it's the long years, the long haul, that through depression, anxiety, lost relationships, cancer, um, things that have been very hard for me to have to live. I've had chronic Lyme's disease. I've lived with disappointment. I've lived with broken relationships. I lived with broken engagements, the promise of marriage never happening, the promise of children, I never had them. So my life has been fraught with good stuff, but it's also been fraught with a lot of, of people will say bad stuff. And through it all now, 35 years later, I can say for a fact that now I am convinced that my relationship through Jesus to my heavenly father is ironclad. It is solid. It will never break because it's gone through the testing of it. And each time I've come around and I said, no, he, nothing can separate me from the love of my father that I have through Christ Jesus. So I encourage you that you may not feel that way right away, but if you pursue Jesus, if you pursue him with all your heart, you can one day say, I am convinced like Paul. Um, and I think nothing except experience can lead you there. So thank you for listening and um, God bless you guys. I appreciate that because I don't need to preach now and I can just get off the stage. And uh, uh, so let's uh, let me let me pray. God, I thank you for Laura Milan. Lord, I thank you for her testimony, Father, for how, Father, 35 years later, she can stand on truth. Father, we have all had moments where we've felt crippled, where we, you, you or life or whatever it is, Father, has just brought us to our knees. And Father, you... Give us truth in which we can stand upon. Father, that um, I pray for this morning. Lord, I pray, Lord, that this is something that those new to the faith, 
those that are maybe in one of those dry seasons of life, Father, I pray that this is a truth that we can be reminded of, Father, and that we can walk, walk away from the screen that we're watching on or walk out of this room firm in the knowledge and the understanding that the God who sent his son to die for me loves me and has me securely planted in his hands. So in your powerful name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. I, uh, I searched my social media. I, I typed in a word, and uh, it, it gave me back some phrases, some statuses, some tweets and whatnot. Uh, I'm going to read some things that, that I found in this, in this search on my social media. Pick up, see if you can pick up the word that I, that I searched here, okay? The first one is, I'm literally in love with you. Second one, my first period teacher is yelling at us to turn on our cameras when I literally woke up two minutes ago. I would literally sell my soul for this man. My brother is smiling at me, and I'm literally so mad right now. Literally me after the movie trailer with a picture of somebody who is literally not you. I may not know you personally, but you are literally one of the coolest people I know with a literal contradiction in the phrase... My heart is literally broken into pieces. You would be literally dead. Chris Trieger, the literal king of the phrase, said Pawnee is literally the best town in the country for you Parks and Recs fans out there. This is a word, this is a phrase that has made it into pop culture. We, we have now, see where this has gone. We have changed the literal definition of literally. When you Google the definition used for emphasis or to express strong feeling while not being literally true. How? Like, the definition is a contradiction. It uses the word in the, the, the how. Because America is how. Because of how we, there's a word for that. It's fiction. Fiction is uh, uh, a belief or statement that is false, but that is often held to be true because it is expedient to do so. There's a word for that, but we, that word doesn't fit us. <laughs> it doesn't fit the, I'm literally so mad right now. It doesn't fit. So we change the definition. So we can joke with this. We've all said it. If you're a parent, you have been to your kids like, I am literally going to lose my mind. We've all said it as a parent. You've all said it of your boss. He's literally such a jerk. You've all thought it or said it. We've all used this phrase. And it's been something that if we're going to take the joking away for a second, it's been a tactic of the evil one since about day one-ish. Did God really say? Another way of saying that. Did God literally say? They could have just said, yeah, he literally did. Could have just walked away. But that slimy little snake, Satan, creeps in in all of our minds and says, did God literally say? And then that thinking moves on to deeper thinking and deeper thinking where all of a sudden we take what was unquestionable what we know to be literally true and we start to 
question it. At his very best, the enemy, the enemy will get us to take literal truth, what is literally unquestionable, and we will change definitions. We will change terms. We will change science. We will change truth to make what is literal a point of fiction. Life has a way. Laura Milan shared that in the video. Life has a way. For those that are maybe not strong in faith or, not, or don't understand Jesus, life has a way of making us question what God has declared to be unquestionable. Is God literally enough? Are you literally forgiven? Are you literally secure? Does God literally love you? Yes, 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 yes. And yes. Could you guys do me a favor? If you're watching online, can you stand up right now in your living room? If you're in this room, can you guys stand up for a second? This is a truth that we stand upon. People like Laura Milan stand on this truth. So I want to read this passage one more time. We stand on this truth. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is it to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. A dead savior can't intercede for you. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? So tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword, as it is written, for your sake, we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all of these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure, what well, I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor present, uh, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. God said it, and so this is a literal truth. You guys can have a seat. What I want us to know, whether you're watching on a screen, whether you're in this room, I want us to know today, life can't deplete what Christ declares to be complete. Whatever life is throwing at you, however 2020 was for you, how we've turned the page to 2021, it doesn't seem to be getting any better. Life can't. No matter how 2021 goes, if 2020, 2021 makes 2020 look like it was a great year, no matter how this year goes, life can't deplete what Christ declares to, declares to be complete. Life literally can't take away from you what is yours in Christ Jesus. And so in Romans 8, these verses, Paul proves that we what we have in Christ is complete. Here's the first point. There's going to be two points. Two, the first point is that if life can't deplete what Christ declares to complete, then we are completely secured. 
I'll remind you of this verse again. What shall we say then to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up, up for us, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring a charge against us? God's elect. It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Jesus Christ is the one who died. More than that, who raised us up as at the right hand of God who is interceding for us that we are completely secure. So in, these, in this passage, the, what, what Paul is doing is bringing out questions that the enemy wants to throw at us. And in a moment of reflection for the Christian, we can, we can look at these rhetorical questions and know that the schemes of the evil one, and we can say, no, here's the literal truth that makes this a literal lie. Who is against us? Who is against us? Well, it feels like, if we're honest, if we take a step back, it feels like plenty is against us. The hardships of life are relentless and batter our hope. We are persecuted. There are people that oppose us. Our own sin opposes us. Fear cripples us and opposes us. The evil one opposes us, and it feels like everything is against us. But Paul reminds us of the truth. You might feel this way, but remember, he gave you the greatest gift, Jesus Christ. And if we say that in the most literal sense, the greatest gift, the greatest need met by the greatest sacrifice, everything underneath that is a lesser sacrifice and a lesser need. If God can meet our greatest need with the greatest sacrifice, he can meet us in all of those places. Who will bring a charge against God's elect? That's a legal question. In the Greek, it means to, to bring a charge or, or, to, or to accuse. This, is, this would be like you and I being summoned to stand before a judge as we face accusation. Even if we are innocent, to be called to stand before a judge puts a knot in our stomach, doesn't it? But the charge won't stand. Why? Because the debt's been paid. There's no, there's no basis for it. But it, so it goes a little bit deeper. So then who is the one who condemns us? Uh, you and I can face an unjust accuser without fear if we know we're standing before a just judge. But what if the judge is against you and the accuser is against you. What hope do you have? But that's not the case with us. That's not the case with those that are in Christ Jesus. Satan, the accuser, he's going to throw the book at us. And, and you know what? Like, to some degree, he can. He will certainly bring real, honest, real, real, real legitimate evidence of our guilt. That the accused, me, deserves justice, not mercy, deserves heaven, not, uh, or deserves hell, not heaven, deserves to have the book thrown at him. He'll make the accuser with all real evidence, will make his case and sit down. What chance do I have until my defense lawyer, who once died, but rose again, now stands up, interceding for me as if God needed a reminder but stands there as a reminder. I am the resurrected Savior. He doesn't have to speak a word. He puts his hands out. Verdict, innocent, 
case dismissed. Paul is saying, if you're backed by God Almighty, if you're washed by the blood of Jesus, who would dare bring a charge against you? Why even try? My favorite time of year is, is really in January when all of my police officer friends give me one of these very special cards. <laughs> it's my get out of jail free card. When, when I get pulled over, uh, I, I get to hand the police officer my license and I tuck this right behind my license and I hand it to, to said officer and it's basically like me saying without using words like, do you know who I know? You don't, you don't want to do this. Now, transparently, I've never had to use this card, uh, but, but my wife, who is the one online filling out everything for Wellspring Church, so you can go ahead and at her. Uh, she has used it all the time, and it, it works, so praise God for that. But, but so this is, there are people that would give me this card and basically say, do you know who I know? In high school, the, my, I lived in Bow, New Hampshire, and the chief of police uh, her, his daughter was a classmate of mine. She was in my grade. Her name was Stephanie Graves. So in high school, parking tickets was something that I was very accustomed to for parking wherever we wanted to park. We knew when we would walk outside after school that there would be a whole slew of cars with parking tickets, including Steph Graves. She always got a parking ticket, but she never paid a ticket because on her ticket was written, your dad says knock it off. <laughs> we all knew it. Because what high school cop is going to give the chief of police's daughter an actual ticket? She had all the security in the world. And we joke, and it was funny, it was harmless. What gives you a sense of security? What gives you a sense of security to stand before God or in this life? Is it that the family member that I know is, well, they're really religious. So when life hits the fan, I'm not really a prayer myself, but I'll go to grandma. She'll pray for me. We'll say, oh, grandpa or grandma or my uncle, they're looking down on me, and so I have this sense of security. We'll, we'll say, well, yeah, 2020 was hard, but my, my bank account is fine. I have this sense of security that there hasn't really been a dent in my bank account yet. Or to stand before God, we'll say the, the words, I'm a good person, or we'll go to the antithesis. We won't say that I'm a good person. We'll go to some of the worst crimes. Like, we go to, I'm not an axe murderer. Does anybody, has anybody actually ever met an axe murderer? But we say that. I'm not an axe murderer, so I'll be good. Or we'll think, you know what? I've done my wife wrong. I've done my kids wrong. I've done my, my boss wrong. And we'll have this thinking that, you know what? When I stand before God, they'll vouch for me that I, it really wasn't that bad. That there, as if my boss or my wife or my daughter or my kids or my whomever will stand there before God and, and vouch for me that it really wasn't that bad. No, they will not be there when you stand before God. If you want company with you when you stand before God, a decision needs to be made here and now because Jesus is your only true security. Life first to Christianity must remember this day in and day out because the enemy is coming at us hot. Life can't deplete. What Christ declares complete, you are completely uh, secured. And secondly, you are completely loved. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword as it was written? For your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. 
No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors. More than conquerors through him who loved us. For I, for I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation shall be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. His love will never be taken from you. But yet it feels like it has, right? Like human nature is that when life is good, when, when, when we're comfortable in life, we feel nurtured by God. But when we're in the midst of hardship, we feel then abandoned by God. No matter the season that we're in, we, we kind of, we put different thinking towards God. And that's why, that's why Paul here is quoting Psalm 44 to, to remind us that the human experience for all for the ages, for the, for the follower of Jesus Christ has always included hardship. That, that there's never been a season that, you know what, that the Christian is immune to hardship. That he's saying that if this has been the way it's gone since day one, why are you surprised by it? God, God has, like, we have a broken heart, a heart full of sin. Jesus came, died for us, died in our place. His blood washes over us. We stand clean before God. God has, as the great doctor and healer, healer that he is, he has done a surgery on our heart. But it's a surgery that comes with a recovery process. Have, have you guys ever had a surgery? You'll have a surgery. The doctor will tell you exactly. The surgery should be about a few hours. We'll be doing this, that, and the other thing. The you'll say, well, doc, what, should, what will the recovery process be like? Well, here's what you can expect. You can expect uh, a little, a little uh, stomach ache. You can expect a headache for a few days. In about a week, you'll probably start experiencing some lower back pain. The doctor will tell you what to expect in the recovery process process. And then when it happens, when your tummy feels upset, when you get your lower back pain or your headache, you think to yourself or you tell your friend, the doctor said, I should expect. And you deal with it. You roll with it. And to some degree, if you never feel that back pain, you start to wonder, did the surgery work? Because if God did a surgery and he said, this is how it's going to be, it should play out that way. Now, I know, I mean, Paul is being real here. He, he gives all these examples. Okay, a nice little cute uh, uh, doctor uh, uh, surgery analogy, but real world is real tough. The hardships that we face are hard. The old slave master, the enemy, doesn't want to let us go easily. We will face our joys. We will face our sorrows. We will face our setbacks. And the doctor, the great doctor, says it's to be expected. We will experience persecutions. It's to be expected. Guess what? Life on planet Earth is not going to get better. Stop getting mad at your politicians trying to make life better. The doctor said, this is how it's going to play out. Oh, but recover you will. The surgery done on our heart is not to bring us back to just like average life. Like this was life before surgery, and I'm hoping to get back here. The doctor says, I'm going to do a recovery on you. I'm going to do a surgery on you. And you are going to be more than conquerors. You are going to more than recover. Is that a fairy tale? Nope. Paul is the one, as Laura said, Paul is the one saying, I am convinced. As one saying, who's giving us through the scriptures.
scriptures, giving this oorah type speech. He, speech. he is the one that has lived this. He's gone through much of the hardships listed here. And he says, none of that can dispute. None of that can disrupt my relationship with God. I've been at sea for days. I've gone with hunger. I've been beaten. I've been whipped. There have been people that have taken literal sticks to my back. I have been left for dead. And nothing, nothing, nothing can separate me from God. You literally can't. If you have the Son, you have all of his love. And we spend our lives on this hamster reel trying to find something of greater worth than Christ Jesus. You won't find it. If you have Christ, you have literally everything. Even in death, our resurrected Savior says, Daddy's got us. On the screen is a picture of uh, Dick and Rick. And uh, they were, they're known as uh, Team Holt. Uh, there actually is a, a, a statue of them uh, in Boston now. Uh, they, uh, in 2014, they were uh, 70, uh, they start, they were 74 and 52 in 2014. Uh, when Rick was born, he was born with uh, cerebral uh, palsy. And, uh, and they decided that they were going to start running races together. Uh, by the time they retired in 2014 from doing this, they had run 1,100 athletic events. Rick said this, uh, or I'm sorry, Dick said this. When Rick was born, they said, forget him. Put him away. Put him in an institution. He's going to be nothing but a vegetable for the rest of his life. And so Dick said to ABC News, well, here he is. He's 52 years old, and we still haven't figured out what kind of vegetable he is yet. <laughs> After their first race together, uh, Rick looked to his father and said, Dad, when I'm running, it feels like I'm not handicapped. And so his dad has run over 30 Boston marathons, pushing his son handicapped. There are two truths about Rick. He has a great need, and he has a very loving father. God is still God, and I'm still not. I learned my needs are great, and I learned his love is still yet greater. The father looks to us and said, there will be bumps on the road, but I'm going to get you to the finish line. You just hang on. The father looks at us and says, there are going to be moments where we're going fast. You just hang on. I'm going to get you to the finish line. There's moments where the race is going to go slow and be laborsome. You just hang on. I'm going to get you to the finish line. There'll be moments where the crowd is cheering you on. You just hang on. I'm going to get you to the finish line. There'll be those moments where you're racing and you're running. And somebody will look at you with that side eye being like, a dad, a son, what? What's going, huh? You just hang on. You just keep running. Daddy's going to get you to the finish line. Daddy's got you. Consider it one. I'm going to get you to the finish line. Life can't deplete what Christ declares complete. I have, um, I've mentioned this a few times. I have a few, uh, how many do I have? I have 48 life goals. Things I want to accomplish in my lifetime. There's a picture of them up on the screen. A whole, a whole slew of them. The ones in red are the ones that I've been able to complete in my lifetime. I'm just going to read you the ones in red. 
All right, the ones in red are, are I'll, I'll start from the back. Okay, kiss Ava in front of that tree at Rockefeller. That was pre-2020. Uh, we did that. I kissed her in front of that tree. It was really, it was great. Uh, I on the elliptical all the time. I wanted to go over nine miles in one hour. I did that. I wanted to run a half marathon. I've done that. I wanted to walk 100,000 steps in one day. I did that in 2017 with my brother. That ice skating rink by that tree, I wanted to, I wanted to skate there with my bride. I did that. I wanted to take a carriage ride with my bride through Central Park. We've done that. I wanted to see a Chris Tomlin concert with my mommy. I did that. I wanted to attend a World Series game a Red Sox World Series game with my sons. I've done that and they won. I completed an Olympic triathlon and then I wanted to complete a marathon. Now this is my list, not your list. I never actually ran a marathon, but the second time I walked 100,000 steps, I walked about 48 miles in a day. So I'm gonna consider that one done. I did a marathon because the second time I did that. This is my list. Now every time I say this, I smile. Why? Because it's accomplished. Why? Because everything in red here, you can't take away from me. It's been accomplished. Now when I talk about it, I smile. The greatest sense of security, the greatest sense of, of I've got this is the reality that, that it has happened and it can't be taken away from you. I pulled social media and I asked them this question. When I feel safe and secure, I dot, dot, dot. Many of the answers I got. We're all kind of all over the place. The one that kind of came to the top above all the other ones was I smile. When I feel safe, when I feel secure, I smile. Other people said I, I sleep better. I'm others focused. I'm less anxious. I'm less angry. And that juxtaposition of, of a smile and anger, that got me. Because at some level, is our anger flowing from our lack of security? Is our anger flowing from our lack of love? Do we get angry? Do we lose the smile when we let life deplete what God has said is complete? So online or here, what do you do when you feel loved and secure? What do you do? What is your reaction? That's my challenge to us this week is that we would intentionally do whatever that is that makes us feel loved, makes us feel secure, that we would act in that manner. I don't know what that is for you, but let me give you just a few suggestions before we go and sing one more song. Maybe you go to song. Maybe you go to worship and you sing. Then grab a journal. This week, you are loved and secured in Christ Jesus. Write him a song. Maybe you do. Maybe you go to writing. Well, then you know what? Write a blog post. Send me an email. We'll publish it for you. What is it? Write about being secured and loved in Christ Jesus. You go to social media? Oh, you go to social media. <laughs> Tell them how you are loved and secured in Christ. Social media could use being flooded with that message right now. You feel loved and secured? You go to spending? Great. Be generous. You feel loved and secured, and, and, and the reaction, the place that you go to is that I'm unbothered by people. People's opinion, people what they think of me, it no longer bothers me because I am loved, I am secured. Great, pray for one. Pursue people, if their opinion doesn't matter, don't distance yourself. Pursue them in the name of Jesus. Life can't deplete what Christ has declared complete. 
you are completely secure and you are completely loved. Daddy loves you. Daddy's got you. And Daddy is going to get you to the finish line. Let's sing.